0: everybody it's time for episode number 82 82 Woo! one more till my jersey number 83 here on defenders of the bank of course the voice you just heard is the stuff of legends he is christian Philly Philemon, (laughs) and you guys know who I am. I am J.R. Liebert, the SCARF, and it is time to begin episode number 82. Of course, this part of our episode will be the recap of our final preseason match against Toronto FC, and it was good to see the general back at the bank, Laurent Simon. We've got a lot to talk about, though, on this episode here, number 82, Obviously, most of the LAFC community still—I don't know if "reeling" is the right word—but still recovering from the, the the shock of the move of Walker Zimmerman to Nashville, S.C. (Nash Vegas, as they like to call it). So that that'll be a big topic of conversation. Will of course have this day in LAFC history and the LAFC news and notes and our recap of the game. It was a Wednesday, twelve o'clock game, Philly. So that meant both you and I had to take off work today in order to cover it.
1: We played a little bit of hooky. <laughs> and looking from our vantage point in the press box, as far as the thirty-two fifty-two is concerned, there's about half of the thirty-two fifty-two in action, but they still voice themselves as if they were the full 3,252. And I can't imagine we had more than 5, 6, max 7,000 people at Bank of California Stadium. Max was there, yes. Max Bretos definitely was there. We, we, we hugged it out. Shout out to Max. But for a preseason game, I can't imagine there are that many clubs that would garner such a crowd for a preseason-friendly scarf.
0: Not even just a preseason-friendly. A preseason-friendly on Wednesday at noon. That was pretty cool that we had that many people there in the middle of a workday. A lot of hooky players. No, absolutely. And you mentioned it. We saw, we saw Ava out there. She was really happy to be taking the day off from school out there with Ron, which was kind of neat to see. A lot of different people there at the stadium. Shout out to Ron, to everybody else that we saw there at the stadium. It was it was a lot of fun, though, to be there. It was a, a looser atmosphere. You know, it was fun, middle of the day, kind of a game, not something we're very much used to. Not at all. But like you mentioned, the 3252, we heard Francisco Janella, who in the post-game press conference, he was incredibly excited to be able to play... In front of the North End for the first time. He even mentioned their energy, their passion, and he's got no idea what's coming behind him once we start Champions League and the regular season. Uh, Although, again, like you mentioned, they were full throated, very loud. I was pretty impressed. You could hear the capos, though. That was an interesting thing today. You could hear the capos leading every single cheer at the start of it. And Uh, Those Capos that were up there, they are loud. We were literally as far away from them in the stadium as you could possibly be sitting to the left of the south end there. We had mentioned this before. We we were able to cover today's game from the press box. Not sure how many games we're going to cover during the regular season and certainly Champions League or Open Cup once everything starts. But it was a lot of fun to kind of dip our toes in the water of covering the games during preseason. This, our second of two matches that we covered in the preseason, the first being Penarol which was really incredible there. But uh, again, a shout-out to everybody who came. Uh, it was, I'd say, about 6,000 strong. Philly, what do you think?
1: That's a fair number. Again, if you look at the partitions in the 3252, if you divide them by five... Looking at it, I would say half of the 3252 yeah. was there. Yeah. Give or take a little bit over or the under, but still a fair amount. But the chanting and the support and the passion was there as if the full 3252 was in full action and in full effect. And again, we sa- I said this before, I can't imagine there are that many clubs— that go into a preseason game whether it's the first the middle or the last of the preseason events with that much fan support similar to what LAFC had it was still impressive
0: yeah we want to start out today's episode a couple of big birthday shout outs that we want to mention today to our buddy Joe who works in LAFC video production Joe Madden not the manager of the Angels currently but LAFC or a member of Good Charlotte that's true but well maybe Joe Madden isn't Good Charlotte and he's just having his baptized
1: in a river I see a vision of my life, but I want to be delivered. Oh Keep my going goodness. With the scarf. Come on. So,
0: yeah, happy birthday, Joe Madden. And then, of course, one of the true legends of the club, and some of the reason why you see the incredible pictures that you do. Happy birthday to Imad. Imad shoots. Dude, what an awesome guy. And again, we saw him a couple times today and I really wish I knew it was your birthday before I saw you a couple of times. Yes. Yeah, and we, we saw Joe as well. So you know what? Happy birthday to the two of you guys. You guys are our true legends of the club and we couldn't appreciate you all more. Happy birthday to Imad and Joe and Philly. This is day number 64 of Number Watch 2020. Uh, We have mentioned already, we covered today's game. And part of the nice thing... We saw him earlier, too. We we saw Danny, and we'll talk about what he said in passing real quick to Max, too, which was neat. We were able to get the roster for today's game. And sure enough, everybody listed on the roster a couple of surprises, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But again, no number listed to Danny Musovsky's name Shout out to his brother, Oliver. We tried to get inside information out of him. He didn't have any inside information, but someone, somewhere, please, LAFC, get this man a uniform number. Day number 64 of the number watch for Danny Masovsky. We're hoping this guy gets a number soon. And with that, Philly. Before we begin other LAFC news and notes, if you don't mind me indulging in my favorite segment here on the podcast—no, not rants with Philly, but that oh. may be coming up soon. But this day, I'm glad you enjoy that. By in way. LAFC history, and someone that was very near and dear to us, the security guard oh. for founders, for field, for everywhere at Bank of California Stadium on the 12th last year, 2019 of February Gerardo Jerry Escobedo passed away and we again want to remember Jerry he was such a wonderful light of energy while we were there at Bank of California Stadium we still think about him often and we just want you to know Jerry that we are thinking about you today as we do this podcast for you buddy so this was unfortunately his day of passing we we miss you Every single time we head to the bank, we still our subconscious still looks for you when you're when we're there at the bank. So we love you, Jerry.
1: It's a lesson that we all must take, and a lesson in the sense that our time on this in this world is it's not guaranteed. Jerry wasn't an out of shape, portly, I'm smoking three packs of cigarettes and drinking a bottle of Jack a day kind of guy. He rode his bike to the bank every single day. He was thin. He looked like he was in shape. And he had a very pleasant demeanor about him. And just out of nowhere, shortly after the Vissel Kobe match, he passed away in his sleep. Our time, ladies and gentlemen, is not guaranteed, nor is it infinite. It is very finite. So the lesson that Scarf and I learned from the passing of Jerry is the fact that live your life in the best way that you can. Love life. Love people around you. Go out there and live as if every day is your last. Make your life productive because tomorrow is never guaranteed and you need to live your life as positively as possible. Jerry's passing definitely hit us in the hardest of ways. Like Scarf mentioned, I always look for Jerry every time we walk into the Founders Club. He was one of those few people that would say, welcome home, and he made a very big impact in our lives in a very short period of time. Rest in peace, Jerry, for your family members that may or may not listen to this pod. Our condolences. We loved Jerry. We always loved Jerry, and he will always forever remain a part of Bank of California Stadium and our experience in the Founders Club.
0: Yes, sir. Moving on with this day in LAFC history, born on Valentine's Day in 1990. February 14th, if you're not aware. That's right. Happy Br- yeah. And by the way, if you're not aware of that, you only got a couple days left to get your loved one something cool. That being said, buy them season tickets. Get them tickets to a game at the bank. That's the coolest thing we can possibly think of. And then, you know, afterwards, some chocolate or something like that. Happy birthday to Adama Diamande, born February 14th, 1990. LAFC's very own Great One, number 99, Dio. Happy birthday, sir. And then on the 15th, 2018, a day that I know many LAFC fans mark their calendar on. That was the day that LAFC announced that ESPN's Max Bretos would be the lead broadcaster and head of content for LAFC. We love you, Max. We give you a hard time every time we see you, but... Congrats on the anniversary for your work. If you're a friend of Max on LinkedIn, it should pop up on the 15th because I get all kinds of different ridiculous anniversary (laughs) pop-ups. Congratulate this friend for their anniversary at work. No, no, I never congratulate anybody for any of that stuff because I don't care enough to say, hey, good job. You started work on this day years ago. But you know what? Here at LAFC, Defenders of the Bank, we congratulate Max on his two-year anniversary with lafc
1: we love you brados we do we love you brados we We do we love you brados we do? we do oh Max Brados, we love you. And,
0: and that's a fact. Max
1: Brados, the voice of LAFC. And that
0: ends this day in LAFC history. I'm gonna pick up right along with some LAFC news and notes so we can get to all the important stuff, including talking about the Walker Zimmerman trade and our recap of the preseason finale against Toronto FC, Peter Lee Vassal training with Danish club HB Kuga in the second division of Danish football. He has been without a contract since the end of last season. The kid shows a ton of potential playing with the Jamaican national team has, I believe five or six goals and very few appearances with the reggae boys. So we're really hoping Peter Lee gets picked up somewhere. We loved watching him in his limited minutes at bank of California stadium and Luis Chapa Herrera of the El Paso Low locomotive had been training with lafc all week recently returned to el paso did not appear in any of our preseason matches but interesting to note he did appear on the lafc roster that we were handed today in the press box and he had a number by the way in case you were taking bets number 16 was luis herrera's number the midfielder from el paso locomotive so again Get Danny Masovsky a number, people. Come on. And then lastly, another name there, Philly, that we're going to talk a little bit about as we do the game recap, Kwadwo Poku. That was pretty cool to see him on the roster number three. And in the short period of time that he played within the second half, he
1: definitely made his presence felt. So shout out to Kwadwo Poku. And hopefully you can find your way on that LAFC roster because you definitely were an exciting player to watch.
0: Yeah, this could be another one of those diamonds in the rough. We've already seen a player obviously plucked from the indoor soccer league. Adrian Perez, LMU's finest. He kind of came out of nowhere. Bryce Duke has been that player this preseason. And then Poku. But yeah, Poku making a name for himself in his only appearance for the black and gold. Would will be interesting to see if the trialist makes a run at it but again we've talked a lot about lafc news and notes we would be remiss if we did not mention the trade that went down between nashville sc and lafc walker zimmerman in a move it was released i think 6 30 in the morning one of those moves that just left everybody going wait what we haven't had a wait what moment on the podcast in That's qu- a wait-what
1: moment on steroids, dude. I, it
0: was unbelievable. I woke up, and I was like, wait. What? Wa- what? Right? Walker <laughs> Zimmerman tr- traded? Don't we have Champions League coming up? Isn't he, uh, I don't know, a U.S. men's national team starter and a, a a member of the best 11 in Major League Soccer, finished second in the voting of Defender of the Year behind Iko Parra, which will be his first of two different mentions we'll likely have of Iko Parra. On the podcast today, I, I, I was stunned. Philly, what was your reaction for the Walker-Zimmerman move?
1: Quite honestly, it, it unfolded. And looking into the narrative and trusting our front office as much as we do, I can't help but wonder what the narrative was going into this trade. Clearly, Nashville had a raging, insert word in this category, desire to sign him. I mean, the deal came out of nowhere. Even Walker's teammates, our our, our club, they were caught off guard with this one. It was a great feeling being confident with our back line for the short time that we had. But once again, the questions are there. What the heck is going to happen as far as our defense is concerned? Are we going to see the 80th minute hex unfold? Is that potential $1.25 million worth of GAM worth all of this uncertainty? We won't know until this story unfolds. As it stands, John Thorrington said that Nahar, who is the rumored player practicing with LAFC, will he be on the squad? And he said there's a lot that needs to take place in order for that deal to come through. Now, Champions League is right around the corner. We were offered a lot of money in a very short period of time. Again, it was it caught everybody off guard. Was the deal too good to be true? Again, the story has yet to unfold. But as far as how that back line can end up, we don't know if we're going to sign another player. We don't know if Latifah's going to start in the back line, which wouldn't be the worst idea, considering the fact that it leaves room for Francisco Janela and Jose Cifuentes to like appear in, in the middle. We don't know what the story is, but regardless, we are still a very stacked team. This wouldn't have been a decision made without there being a idea or some type of a movement and a, and a, and a progression towards us succeeding in the future. We don't know what the story is. But going in a Champions League without Walker Zimmerman... <sighs> It leaves a lot of us skeptical and a lot of us questioning what the heck is our front office
0: doing. Yeah, Philly, one quick story I want to tell before I go on a rants with the scarf, or I think as we're gonna call it scarf sounds off is what I like the segment. scarf sounds off. Yeah, might might be scarf sounds off might be the segment that we're gonna have right here in just a second. But Walker Zimmerman was the reason why I remember meeting your wife. Now, unfortunately... That sounds off, brother. I, right? I, sounds I don't, very off. I don't remember meeting Choose you at this your same words event. Choose <laughs> I don't remember meeting you at the same event, but I remember but I had standing blonde hair. in line. You did. And a suit. But so did she, by the way. She had blonde hair. and I remember, But not a suit. I remember standing <laughs> behind this woman in a white road, Walker Zimmerman jersey At the meet and greet event that at the old LAFC offices, right off of Figueroa, and I remember going. She's the only person in this entire room that has a customized name on the back LAFC jersey, and it's Walker Zimmerman. And we were all there to meet Walker. He did a little meet and greet with all of us, said hi, and we knew who he was because he had played a little bit for the men's national team, or at least been called up once or twice. And and he was our first real big MLS name, not like a Carlos Vela who hadn't played in Major League Soccer, or a Carlos Alvarez, who was our first ever signing that never wound up making it with Chivas. But this is the first name that we ever really had. And that's how I remember meeting your wife. And then, you know, a year plus later, we re-meet again for the first time in Founders Club. But if you have a second, to our Defenders family, thank you so much for listening to episode 82. Please indulge me on a little scarf sounds off right here. Because this has really crystallized a few things for me in my mind. And this is really difficult for me as someone who has come as only an American soccer fan, not a world football fan. So indulge me if you will. I'm a fan of Major League Baseball. I watch baseball whenever I can. I love baseball. I'm a Lakers fan born and raised. I love watching NFL football. I've been spoiled enough to see two Stanley Cup parades here for the LA Kings. And to be perfectly honest, I am living in a city in Los Angeles where our teams tend to compete at the highest level for championships every single time. But also, I am in a city where we have teams in Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL, NHL, where these are the four leagues where players train their entire lives to get to the end all be all league of baseball is Major League Baseball. The end-all, be-all league of basketball is the NBA. Same thing with the NFL. Same thing with the NHL for the most part. It's really crystallized my having to come to terms with the fact that Major League Soccer is not where kids around the world are training to end up. This is where kids around the world are training to get to to be the next stepping stone, to be the next level on to the next level. And it's been a really interesting thing for me to have to come to grips with. I am not used to being as both John Thornton and Bob Bradley. Bob Bradley said it in today's press conference. We are going to be a team that sells. And it is such a foreign concept to me to get an incredible player like a Walker Zimmerman or an incredible player like potentially Diego Rossi, as has been mentioned, or Brian Rodriguez or Eduardo Atuesta or any of these other players. Heck, Carlos Vela has gotten mentioned with Barcelona and several other huge teams. It's just a foreign concept to me that we are not the end all be all. I completely understand in my limited time why we aren't the end all be all. And I get the reasoning behind why John Thorrington, Will Koontz, and everybody else would want to buy low and sell high, a term that I know Philly is very happy to be fond of. But yeah. you know what has been the big turnaround for me this year, I am used to, as Mets fans, David Wright and being in a uniform for, what, almost 15 years. I am used to Tom Terrific, the franchise, Tom Brady being a Patriot for 20 years. I'm used to Clayton Kershaw taking the mound every fifth day since the mid-2000s for the Dodgers. So what I have had to do as a fan of LAFC is to understand that, you know what? As much as I loved Lee Wynn, Laurent Simon, now Walker Zimmerman, Tyler Miller, as much as I really did love these players, that's not the nature of the beast, being a fan of of major league soccer, or being a fan of a team that is as incredibly proactive and future forward thinking as LAFC. So that's been a big thing for me to try and wrap my mind around, God, this was a guy who was such a big deal for us. And to be perfectly honest, if we can make the potential $1.25 million in GAM work for us, that'll be great. I just can't help but think Philly, About the last time a trade like this was made, Sporting Kansas City for Ike Opara, and he was the deal that Walker has the potential to break, the largest trade in terms of money for a defender in Major League Soccer history, Ike Opara legitimately changed the back line for Sporting KC and gave us fits. Somehow I don't think Walker's going to have that same impact this first year with Nashville, but he will certainly be a voice in the locker room, a leader through and through, and someone who's from not very far away in Lawrenceville, Georgia. So this will be a great move to get Walker a little bit closer to potentially some of his family back there. But that's just a little, you know, scarf sounds off segment there. It's something that I really wanted to mention why it's so difficult. Look, I get that some of our fans want us to bring in some of the best backline defenders in the Premier League or in La Liga. That's not going to happen for $1.25 million in GAM. But what the potential that we have to do is still great with this roster. And I, I just hope we can solve the backline trouble once we hit Leon.
1: If you think we could sign Virgil Van Dyke for $1.25 million, clearly you are ignorant. Sergio Ramos. Very, or Sergio Ramos. You are clearly ignorant and you are shooting for the stars without having any idea of what it's like living on planet Earth. Yes, it is quite a shock that Walker Zimmerman is no longer on a roster. I am wearing my Walker Zimmerman jersey, which happens to be the very first LAFC jersey that I acquired. It is a shock. But you know what? That's life. I had this conversation with Jimmy, the president of the 3252, and the conclusion was as follows. Players come and go, but as supporters, we are perpetual. And that is the fact. We are perpetual. We can thank the players for being a part of our roster and for being part of our history, but they are only going to be temporary where we as fans and supporters are going to be perpetual. It hurts. Very much so. Going into the Champions League... We have no idea what the heck the story is going to be. What our club has accomplished in the short period of time that it's been in existence is that our front office knows what it's doing. We have found diamonds in the rough, in particular Uruguay, where not a lot of people have looked. And as a result of that, we have succeeded. So the narrative has yet to unfold. Walker Zimmerman going to Nashville. We have yet to see how the story unfolds. In fact... Nashville has no idea how it's going to unfold. If they don't go out there and accomplish a stadium and do what they want to do, who even knows where their franchise is going to go? But clearly, they had a raging desire to bring on Walker. And Nashville is not the worst place in the world to end up. But that is the story. That being said, let's get into the match against Toronto. And the first thing that we will talk about, and it's quite funny, is the fact that as this match started, <coughs> we had a lot of preseason things going on. Very that, preseason start to the very match. preseason things starting. Remy Martin. For those of you who are unaware what that name means, no, it is not the alcoholic beverage. Remy Martin is our EMLS player. He had the despubious honor. I don't even know if that's a word. Distubious. He, yes. Distubious. Words by
0: Philly. Yeah, distubious.
1: You know what? I like that word. I'm gonna. That, c- I'm gonna stick with it. That's absolutely the staying. distubious honor of being the honorary falconer, <laughs> and he had the privilege of holding not Ollie, but Sonny. and Sonny- making her debut, her first appearance as a f- honorary falcon, subbing in. No, she's for an Ollie. actual falcon. Well, yes, she wasn't wearing a mask. There's no (laughs) doubt about that. She was definitely a falcon filling in for Ali. But Sonny took on the role of the falcon diva. She took her sweet time leaving Remy's hands. In fact, she wouldn't move. Remy's poop-filled arm. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. We saw it from way up in the press box. Sorry, Remy. Sonny pooped herself. And after she pooped herself, she still wasn't ready to fly. It's as if she needed to poop herself, wipe herself, catch her composure, and then she flew. And what the heck did she do, Scarf?
0: She kept going. She was like, no, no, no. I know the that everybody Energizer else. Falcon. I know everybody else is on a schedule here, but this is my maiden flight at Bank of California Stadium. I need to make sure everybody sees me out there as I'm making my flight. Shout out to the cameraman that was there in Founders. Sonny was trying to land on his head for, I think, a half a second there. He had to take a little duck. But, you know, congratulations to Sonny making her first flight. Eventually, she did pounce on that Toronto FC crest-laden lure that Ken does such a great job of making. That was so cool to be able to see that. Sonny, congratulations on your maiden voyage. And hopefully, Remy, you liked the experience a little more than just having your arm pooped on. That was pretty cool. And then we had the very pregnant, congratulations, Kimberly Caldwell Harvey. Of course, obviously the wife of LAFC's very own Jordan Harvey. She came out there. And of course, with Toronto FC being the opponent, we knew, or at least we hoped, that we would have Kimberly Caldwell Harvey out there to sing the Canadian National Anthem. She nailed it once again. Honestly, just the best rendition of O Canada that I could possibly think of. But then something that was a little unorthodox, Philly, is she and the rest of the 3252 began to sing the United States National Anthem. Just not something that we hear very often. Normally, it's just the thirty-two fifty-two. But as you mentioned, that section only about half full, so maybe the team a little worried that they wouldn't be loud enough. That, once the game started, by the way, was nowhere near the case. And then really, the, the last thing that was a little preseason About Today, our PA announcer, Eric Smith, formerly of the Dodgers, if I remember correctly, he announced our starting lineup, and we'll talk about who started the match for LAFC in just a second, but when he let out Kenneth and, like, 13 people from the stadium, at least from where we were sitting, shouted back Vermeer, he realized, all right, I'm going to have to take over, and he literally announced the first and last names for our remaining 10 starters. So, again... A very preseason feel to the match, Philly. But once we took the pitch, it was like old times again. LAFC looking great, feeling great out there in their now what can only be called, Philly, throwback uniforms with last year's font and last year's numbers on the back of their practice jersey. Philly, who took the pitch for LAFC in our final preseason match against Toronto? As far as the players that took the pitch... They stayed out there for a vast majority
1: of the game. We clearly know who our number one keeper is out there. Kenneth Vermeer played the duration of the entire game. As far as our back line is concerned, the jury is still out on this one. We had Jordan Harvey, Tristan Blackman, Deon Jakovic, and Diego Palacios. Our midfield consisted of Pancho Janela, Bryce Duke, who's been playing quite a bit in our preseason. Latif Blessing. And as far as our strikers were concerned, meaning our forwards, Brian Rodriguez, Adrian Perez, who I have to say is impressed the heck out of me. We've seen him play quite a bit. He pressured the ball against the keeper quite a bit. He was impressive. And rounding out the lineup, Carlos Vela. And this lineup really lasted up until the sixty, sixty 65th, 75th minute. Bob Bradley stuck with this lineup. I don't know whether or not the back line is going to end up the way it is. I We really know that the, the front line is probably going to consist of at least two-thirds of what I just mentioned. Raito, Vela, and Rossi are going to start there. The midfield is not the midfield that we have had because of the fact that the Commonwealth Olympic qualifiers were going on. And our back line, even that suspect. But I will tell you this. From our vantage point, there is no doubt out there that Kenneth Vermeer should be our number one. We feel so confident. And seeing him in the limited amount of time that he's been out on the pitch, Kenneth Vermeer gives our back line and our team a level of confidence that we have never seen. Tyler was the keeper that he was. Pablo, keeper that he is. Philip, the keeper that he is. You put all of them together, and their confidence does not equal that of Kenneth Vermeer scarf.
0: Yeah, Philly, I think the word that I would actually substitute for confidence is, I mean, the experience, right? We're talking about Kenneth Vermeer, a guy that has played on the highest levels throughout the course of his career. If he moves, he moves confidently. We saw him come out of the box several different times. In fact, a player or two from Toronto tried to chip it over him during the course of the match, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. The other important thing to note, Philly, no Eddie Segura, no Edward Atuesta, no Mark Anthony K, no Diego Rossi, and we still come away with the result that we came away with today. I love that. I do caution, though, on the other side— No Michael Bradley, no Pozuelo, like a third of the effort that I would expect from Josie Altidore in a regular season match. But what was nice to see once again is our former captain, the general Laurent Simon, out there for Toronto. I, I did notice when he subbed out in about the 75th minute, we'll get to that in a little bit, There were a lot of LAFC fans who stood up and cheered. We can't forget our general and all the great moments that he brought during about a half a year plus or so for LAFC in our inaugural season. So 12.08 kickoff time, Philly, just a couple minutes behind schedule. Hmm. And and by the way, Toronto... blame sunny on
1: that one.
0: Right? And and by the way, Toronto, the very first preseason match that LAFC ever played in their team history back in 2018 and it's how we end our preseason in 2020 and Philly really the first real action of the game is in the fifth minute when Jordan Harvey picks up a yellow card for a foul very early on and it's important to know Philly you mentioned this roster stayed out there for pretty much the entire match especially Jordan Harvey and he was playing the next 85-plus minutes on a yellow. So a great job there by Jordan to keep his composure. Unfortunately, Philly, the very next minute, we saw a little bit of a theme for us in this match as Diego Palacios got beat on the right side, and Kenneth Vermeer has to make a diving save on Liam Frazier. So the first, I don't know, Eight, 10 minutes or so. It almost looked like that first round of a boxing match where you're kind of feeling the other opponent out, but Toronto FC came out ready to go. And that was right up until the 10th minute when we saw Raito. Yeah, and as far as like the game was concerned, going into it, both
1: teams seemed a bit out of place, but they ended up picking up things as it went. In the 10th minute, there was a foul on, Ar- on Raito, free kick by Carlos Vela. He ended up passing it to Raito, who drove the ball into the box and connected with Tristan Blackman, who had a strike that looked like it had slightly crossed the goal line. In fact, it was an argument that... Every player on the pitch that was wearing black and gold thought that it had gone past Bono, who was the Toronto goalkeeper, but nothing happened as a result of that, but it was a great set piece. Going through the game, there were bits and moments of greatness. Palacios had some fancy footwork in the 11th minute, evading a couple of defenders and getting awarded a corner kick. Raito had that, and off the corner, it connected with Harvey, but it was off target. We're sitting there in the press box in the 11th minute thinking, Harvey had a shot at heading that in the goal. Had it been Walker Zimmerman, could that have been a connection? And at that point, (laughs) we wondered whether or not our club made the right decision. But one thing that I noticed, and it was the theme until he came out of the match, Adrian Perez, Loyola Marymount's finest. (laughs) We had the luxury and privilege of chilling with him on Friday. He pressed Bono on several, several sequences pressured him enough to the point where Bono made some errant long passes. Yep. But I have to say that Adrian Perez in those senses and on multiple occasions made an absolute impression on us chuckleheads sitting in the press box. He was aggressive, aggressive in the sense that he kept trying. And from what we heard, he came into the training camp in better shape than most of the LAFC players and his stamina proved those comments again and again and again scarf
0: yeah it's going to be interesting to see how much burn adrian actually gets me of course being the unabashed adrian prez fan that i am both lmu lions that we are i would love to see him get some run but it's hard to compete against diego rossi against brian rodriguez against carlos vela eventually a healthy adama Diamande maybe even now the striking capability of Bradley Wright Phillips, who we bumped into when we were there at the game as well. We've got a lot of firepower on that front line. So it's going to be interesting to see how Adrian is able to make an impact. We we talked about some of the players who we're used to seeing out there, but one player making his LAFC debut, we talked about it in the starting lineup to have Pancho Janella out there and to make the impact that he did. He looked pretty good at times. He still looked a little unsure of himself at other times, but the guy's been with the club for, what, six minutes after competing in the Conme- pre qual pre-Olympic qualifying tournament or Olympic pre-qualifying, however it goes. He was in that tournament. It was nice to see in the 15th minute, what a touch by Janela, delivering the ball to Raito. Raito making the perfect pass to Carlos Vela, and all Bono can do, not U2's Bono, but Toronto FC's goalie Bono, all he could do was push the bar over the crossbar, and right as I'm writing that, oh, this is awesome, great move by Janela, really liking his touch on everything, Palacios got beat again badly as he tried to play the ball Back to Kenneth Vermeer. It was almost as if the ball maybe didn't pop up enough for him. He kind of hit it with his forehead instead of the top of his head. I don't know what happened. It was intercepted by Toronto, but luckily nothing came of it. Palacios looking a little shaky, and I look over onto the sideline. I think Carlos Vela, I almost thought he was getting some orange wedges or something there while the game was going on. He was actually changing his boots. Uh, I don't know if he, maybe there was something on the turf or he just didn't like the way things were feeling. But from about the 16 minute mark to about 17:15 or so, he was on the sideline. We were playing down a man, 11 v 10, but luckily, you know, LAFC played really well. And, and that led to, as soon as he came back onto the pitch, setting things up in the 20th minute Philly as LAFC takes the lead one, nothing. Indeed. Adrian Perez
1: connects with Bryce Duke, who has been a very, very pleasant fixture in our lineup. He connects with Vela, and Vela assists Taraito which ends up with Raito's third goal, third straight game of the preseason, and he puts one past the left side of Bono on the goal. And we said it earlier. Scarf said it in episodes past. We've said it in episodes past. Once Raito scores, the floodgates will be open. Raito has been killing it in the preseason. And Vela and Raito have been connecting in the most beautiful of ways. As far as last season was concerned, we had Carlos and Diego Rossi as two of the top five leading scorers in MLS. If the trend continues to go on the way that we have seen it in the preseason, there's no doubt in our minds at Defenders of the Bank that Raito, Rossi, and Vela, they should, all three of them, be in the top ten Of MLS at the end of the season with goals scored. It was a beautiful way to open up the scoring. The narrative has been on social media. Well, if Raito scores in the preseason and nobody sees it, it's like being in the forest and there being a tree that falls and nobody hears it. Well, Raito scored a goal and everybody heard it, and it was his third one in the preseason. So there is no doubt in our minds that this trend will continue. Look. Raito came in to the season last year very far into the game. It is a tough, tough situation to be in. But his talent gave him the opportunity to start, even despite the fact that he had not been a part of our club for a while. Now that he's built the chemistry with our club that he has built, there's no doubt in our minds that Raito isn't going to be a stud because Raito is going to be the difference maker as far as our forwards are concerned.
0: Look, I'm a baseball fan, and I'm going to hearken back to 1988, to Bull Durham, and there was a quote that I love, a little scene in Bull Durham about announcing your presence with authority. Go back, check it out on YouTube. If you haven't seen Bull Durham, all Raito has done this preseason is to announce his presence with authority. Three goals in three matches. What we said at the start of last year when we first saw Raito play, he has the confidence and the ability to think that he can take any single player 1v1. And we saw them run a set piece for him earlier in the match where they play it down to Raito and it's just Raito's Just straight speed where he's able to beat the defender and play the ball on the opposite side. But what Raito has done and what I had been hoping for since last season, because you can see it, right? Kobe Bryant's first game, he scored zero points. One rebound, one assist, one steal. And yet nobody came away from that game going, nah, this kid doesn't have it. Nobody. And look what he turned out to become. Now, I'm not saying that Raito is going to become one of the greatest players in soccer history, but what I can say is this. What we have all seen from him is the amount of ability and intelligence that he has out there. But just like Bob said in the press conference today, he's starting to shape his game a little bit. He's tracking back better on defense. He's doing more on the offensive end than just going 1v1. And it has been an incredible thing to see the transformation of Brian Rodriguez. Once again, as we pick back up the game, and I think Rayto might have gone five hole on that goal if I watched it again on replay. It was just a beautiful goal. Let's flash forward again to the 25th minute, and I couldn't help... Getting a little (laughs) misty-eyed, seeing Laurent Simon line up for a free kick, thinking Uh, about those great moments that he provided for us in black and gold. But you know what? He's not in black and gold anymore. He's in the red of Toronto FC and the BMO on the front of his kit. So I was pretty happy that the perfect free kick, by the way, that he delivered, I think it was to Omar Gonzalez. Omar, able to put that ball wide and high, did not do a very good job of corralling a perfect free kick kick, and then we pick up right back once again. You mentioned it. Raito, looking great. Some 1v1 pressure there. And then Adrian Perez in the 31st minute. Another great job of pressuring the ball. He he had
1: been pressuring the ball all game long. All throughout the first half. All throughout the second half. And this is the type of play that you want to see out of out of your forwards. Adrian Perez is clearly fighting for his place on the roster. Will he start over Raito, Vela, and Rossi? Probably not, but there is no doubt in any of our minds that this kid, he deserves a spot within the 18. Going through the match in the 26th minute, the most impressive person as far as I was concerned in the match for Toronto was Schaffelberg. He made minced meat out of Bryce Duke and Bryce Duke as small as he is he will adapt to the speed of this league there's no doubt about that Schavelberg had a bunch of shots on goal and he had a lot of impressive movements going forward we we question our backline in the 33rd minute Dejan Jakovic he had looked a great today man he 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 looked great and I mentioned this in earlier podcasts. The fact that he just recently gave birth to a baby boy probably recalibrated his motivation for being a professional athlete. He has been playing well. Is he capable of tackling a bunch of like situations in the back line going forward in the season? The jury is still out on that one. But does Djokovic deserve a place within our lineup? There is no Question about that.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. He's not the youngest player we have, but again, he, he's got a lot of ability, and he's looked really good in the last couple of preseason games. Either way, you're absolutely right. He's got to step it up. But something I thought that we saw run through the entire match, as long as they were both out there, flash forward again now to the 34th minute, you got Carlos Vela to Brian Rodriguez for a shot just wide. The chemistry between oh, these two. Oh, my God. It's You can incredible. see it now. It has developed. We talked about it on our last podcast. Do I think Carlos Vela will score 37 goals this season like he did last season? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But that's just like me saying, I didn't think you know Mark McGuire would hit 70 home runs a second season in a row. I didn't think each row would get 262 hits two seasons in a row. It's because those are such incredible things to have happened once. Catching lightning in a bottle twice might be darn near impossible, but here's what I will say. I believe that... That, like you had mentioned, Philly, we could have two or three or four other players in the top 10 or 15 in goals because of the offensive attack that we have. And the chemistry looks incredible. And someone who I hope really gets a bunch this season, we know and love him in LAFC more than almost any other player. Latif, Blessing, the work rate, everything that he does, a little chip. He caught Alex Bono well out of position. And a little chip. He tried to play it right over the top. He was off by about three or four inches as the ball bangs off of the crossbar on a beautiful chip. It actually came back out to Carlos Vela, but Toronto FC was able to track back. LAFC kind of really missing out on a great opportunity there. And then he didn't run much during the game, but a yellow card on Josie Altador swiping at Dayon. It didn't look like it was anything major. And in fact, right after it happened, you know, Josie seemed to apologize to the ref a little bit, pat him on the butt, say, you know what? My bad. But there we are in the 41st. So we trade yellows. It was an early one for Jordan. And now a late one in the first half for Josie Altidore.
1: Absolutely. And that pretty much was the narrative as far as the first half is concerned. Another thing we didn't mention early on in our commentary was the fact that Kenneth Vermeer, went out and made some pretty impressive saves. In fact, his save of the match was credited as far as what happened with Toronto's first shot on goal. Now, one thing I will notice, and one thing that Scarf notices, and if you have seen the preseason matches, you'll all notice this. Kenneth Vermeer plays with a level of confidence that we have never seen as far as our keepers are concerned. No disrespect to Tyler Miller. No disrespect towards Quillen Roberts. (laughs) No disrespect towards Philip Edgiamato. No disrespect towards Pablo Cisniega.
0: Oh, wait. Since we're mentioning LFC goalies, Charlie Lyon.
1: And Charlie Lyon. Well, he played very well against Borussia Dortmund. He did. But none of them. In fact, forget it. Combine all of them. None of them play with the level of confidence that Kenneth Vermeer does. From a spectator's point of view. He gives you that level of confidence, knowing that, you know what? This guy knows what he's doing. He's confident, and that instills a sense of calmness within not only the supporters, but our back line. And it's a pretty, pretty incredible thing. He is an aggressive keeper. We saw him run outside of his position, chasing a ball and being aggressive. Now, a lot of the strikers that we've seen in MLS... They're not the size of Zlatan Ibrahimović. A lot of these strikers are small guys. To see a man the size of Kenneth Vermeer jumping out there and racing to catch the ball, I would be terrified as a striker. (laughs) So there is no argument as far as we're concerned. We would be stunned if our starting keeper against Leone, against Miami, would be anybody but Kenneth Vermeer.
0: Yeah, you know, we're sitting there at halftime and our buddy Alex Dwyer-Dweezy comes over and we're talking for a little bit and he gave us kind of an injury update there from the club. He was talking to us about Danilo Silva, Mark Anthony K, and and Sim Fuentes as well about being, you know, a couple of days away from being maybe match ready or at least maybe cleared for the Leon game, maybe the second leg, definitely by the first match of the MLS regular season <laughs> on March 1st. And, you know, Dio, maybe anywhere between four to eight weeks away. So we were thinking, okay, cool, that'll be neat. And and we're going to flash forward to a moment in a little bit where one of those names would turn out to make an appearance. We come out of halftime, one nothing, looking pretty good. Eight shots on goal versus their
1: five. Four shots on target versus their two. We definitely looked better in the first half.
0: Yeah, you know, we took our chances when we got them. And I think that's something that Bob wants everybody to do is if you've got a shot... Take it. If you've got a chance, make it happen. See what you can do. 48th minute, Adrian Perez, a little soft shot on goal, easily saved. 49th minute, man, can I tell you, Carlos Vela, there was a ball played over his head. He does a standing backwards, kind of a scorpion kick deal with his left foot. It wasn't anything flashy, anything cool. And yet, as soon as Carlos Vela turned and, and flips that ball right back to himself, by the way, after this little scorpion kick, with the left foot, all the fans ooing, all the fans eyeing. It was just one of those moments I, I just realized, I'm never, ever, ever going to be as cool as Carlos Vela. It just won't matter. Uh, flashing forward to the 51st minute, Philly, I, I thought maybe it was just a 1v1 drill or something that was going on. Ifuniachi Akara, not to be confused with Portland's Chara, but this was Ifuniachi Akara. Literally did not have anybody within 30 yards of him. I am not sure what happened, Philly. But all of a sudden, all we saw was Pancho Janella racing back from his midfield spot. But Akara had nobody around him. Chips it over Kenneth, who actually got a touch on it, by the way. Came out as much as he could to try and make the save. But I don't think, other than Pancho and Akara there was anybody else across midfield when this play was made and all of a sudden we're tied 1-1 and and you mentioned it maybe a little bit of doubt creeping in about well what if we had walker on the back line would this have happened what's going on but it's 1-1 toronto
1: it's preseason so despite the fact that toronto scored if the fan base falls into a sense of panic once again, it's preseason. There are players that are probably not feature or start. There are formations that'll probably not be the case. Growing up a Jets fan, I've seen a lot of great things as far as Jets preseason is concerned that never materialized into the regular season. Moving forward as far as the game is concerned, one thing we know is, yet again, Adrian Perez still applying pressure on Bono for Toronto FC, who is the keeper. It was a great thing. In the 59th minute, Raito intercepted the ball. Adrian Perez strided into the attack, awarded a foul. Vela had a free kick. 60th minute, handball in the box. It was a missed call. Despite the fact that the whistle was not blown, Loyola Marymount's finest, Adrian Perez, was still acting aggressively. He was still hunting for the ball, still trying to punch it in the back of the net. And right around this time, LAFC had its first subs of the game. Ecuadorian international player, Jose Cifuentes, a player who apparently took a nasty charlie horse injury in his last international game. A player who we didn't think would feature in this game ended up subbing in for Bryce Duke. Clearly, he he was healthy again. We follow LAFC very closely, Scarf and I. Very, very shocked that Poku graced the LAFC roster.
0: Yeah, it was one of those names that we were surprised to see. There was the roster that kind of went from you know one all the way down to numberless danny masovsky and then a couple of spaces and that's usually where they put the trialists and we had mentioned the first trialist our player from the el paso locomotive who came back to el paso this last couple days or so and the other name on the list you're absolutely right Quadwell Poku. it was it was really cool to see of course the other four names were all academy players and one of them would certainly be heard from before the end of the match but It was a cool thing to see Poku out there. And look, we were both really surprised in a great way about the impact that Poku was able to make over the last 30 minutes or so in the game. 64th minute, oh my goodness, what a save by Bono. Carlos Vela got to the middle of the box all alone, pushed it with his left, and a diving save to his right by Bono. Beautiful save. And in the 66th, we got to applaud Laurent Simon as he came out, played the first 66 minutes of the match. And again, I caution everyone from reading too much into this. No Michael Bradley, no Pozuelo, really not a big attack from Toronto FC. 74th minute. After Simon comes out, not a whole lot happens. And then 74th minute, In a run started by Carlos, he got it to Poku, who found Latif, who got it back to Carlos and slots it in the corner for the goal. A wide open net and a beautiful pass by Latif Blessing. And now there it is Charlie Candle lights another one. 2 1 LAFC, and we are on and rolling in the 74th minute, and it was as if, Philly, we were playing downhill after that because in the 76th, we saw Latif and Poku once again. Absolutely. Poku was a very pleasant surprise on the
1: field. He definitely busted his hump as far as the game was concerned. But what was really, really interesting was the fact that within the 80th minute, there were several substitutions that were made. Christian Torres, an academy player, Alejandro Guido, a ghost as far as last season was concerned. (laughs) And Mohamed El Menir, all players that subbed in for Pancho Janela, Raito, and Palacios. We were up in the press box. We witnessed dreams coming true. There was a through ball from Carlos Vela that occurred off of a Latif blessing interception. Christian Torres unbelievable punched in the third goal of the game a 15 16 year old scored the third goal of the game putting an aggressive shot past Bono Toronto FC's keeper god it was an unbelievable thing our club didn't start off the way most clubs do we started off with a youth academy And our youth academy made its presence felt. They made their presence felt in the match against Peñarol. But finally, we all witnessed the 6,000 and the millions. And millions. That tuned in on YouTube or whatever social media presence afterwards. Witnessed the fact that Christian Torres scored the first goal for an academy player's history. And just like that, LAFC goes up
0: 3 to one. All right, let's 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 talk about something really quick. I would like everybody out there who's listening that isn't 15 years old, because we know we have a lot of teenagers that like to listen to our podcast, do me a favor, everybody who's out there right now. Stop and think about what you were doing when you were 15 years old <laughs> on Wednesday at 12 noon. Hopefully, you were in school. Some of you might have been skipping school to do God knows what. If it were the summer, maybe you're you know, hanging out at the pool with your friends. Maybe you're hanging out at an arcade playing a little Street Fighter Two Tournament Edition. Maybe, maybe you're out playing some, some soccer. Is, is it going to be with a professional team? No, probably not. It's with all your friends because you're 15. That's what you do when you're 15. What is this kid doing? This kid is representing the entire LAFC Academy when he is out there on the pitch. It was supposed to be a pass for Carlos Vela. According to Latif Blessing in the post-game press conference, he said, yeah, I thought I was making a pass to Carlos Vela. A- and I actually, the angle that we saw from the side view because we saw it from the press box angle where we're looking way down at the other end of the field. I thought maybe Carlos got a small touch on it and let it go from Latif, but it was actually a little too far away for Carlos to do anything with it. But because this kid has been putting himself in the right position for the last two or three or four weeks training with the big club, because this kid has been busting his butt over the course of the month to try and be a better soccer player and be in the right lanes and do the right things. It was an incredible first in our team history, first academy player to score a goal. He would wind up, and I'm I'm sorry if I'm burying the lead here, being the LAFC man of the match. It was the LAFC thrill of the match. Oh, yeah. It was quite possibly my second or third proudest moment Of being an LAFC fan behind beating Carson and behind winning the supporters' shield. I will never forget that because of what it must mean to this 15 year old kid. And I, you know, I did ask the question of Bob in the post game press conference. I said, you know, yes, it was Torres who got the goal, but what does this mean? for the academy, and for what the work that those six kids had put in. And he said it exactly right. It was really the cherry on top, the icing on the cake, the culmination of weeks of hard training for these academy kids who were brought up and brought in. And and, and Bob answered it so well. He was like, look, there were times when, when things got real tough, when they got real complicated, where you saw the fact that they were 14, 15, and 16. But look at what this all did for them. Look, pressure does two things Pressure bursts pipes, and pressure makes diamonds. And I think what we have seen here is the start of diamonds in the rough for LAFC. All six academy kids who were able to train kind of ended with this cherry on top, the icing on the cake. Uh, Christian Torres... Congratulations, kid. 15 years old. I was having trouble finding my shoelaces, let alone being able to play with a professional soccer team, the likes of which LAFC is out there on the pitch. He had Jordan Harvey, a 13 year MLS veteran, come up and give him a big hug after Carlos Vela. A lot of these guys who were so happy. For this kid, we saw Latif Blessing, the smile that took over his face when he started talking about this kid who scored. Uh, Honestly, I do have other notes for the course of the rest of the game, but how cool is it, Philly, that we were able to end our preseason on the Academy kid, netting our final goal of preseason 2020?
1: The fact that this kid scored a goal is unbelievable. The culmination of years of hard work. Keep in mind the fact that LAFC had a youth academy well before the fact that they had a senior team. This kid, Christian Torres, coming up through years of hard work, coming out onto the pitch, scoring a goal against a legitimate club, a team that is a few years shy of winning the MLS Cup, what an unbelievable stat to have and as far as the game is concerned it ended three to one lafc as far as most offensive categories were concerned dominated the game were there sloppy plays within the course of the 90 min- 92 minutes because there were two minutes of stoppage time yes of course but the most important features that occurred during the game were kenneth vermeer's goalkeeping prowess and of course christian torres's goal unbelievable will this translate into success as far as the champions league is concerned we are going to go into a match against a very very tough club leon is not a team to sleep on as far as our preseason is concerned do we have some holes it's preseason the scary part is is the fact that walker zimmerman is no longer a part of our club but in bob we trust in john we trust And Lord knows that this story has yet to unfold. We set a record, as far as Major League Soccer is concerned, for trading away a defensive player for an amount of GAM money that is unheard of. Ike Opara had the previous record of going out there for a million bucks in general allocation money. With all things being equal, Walker Zimmerman rolls out there with $1.25 That's what we acquire in GAM if the benchmarks are hit all together with the rest of the money that we have set coming towards us. Is it worth it? Is it worth the lack of chemistry, the lack of leadership, and the lack of depth that we have? As far as I'm concerned, the story has yet to unfold. I don't think that this is the end of the narrative. We trust the powers that be to do what they feel is best as far as improving our club and we have no doubts that our club will be improved as a result of this trade
0: yeah it's gonna be tough like you mentioned we got a lot of chemistry issues and a game in what seven more days six more days excuse me from when we are recording this episode on the 12th of february 2018 here at beautiful phila studios in yeah! Burbank, california and you mentioned the champions league coming up we have leon Leon has one more game in the Clausura before they get to take on LAFC at home. They play Atletico San Luis on Valentine's Day, 5 p.m. And again, just a reminder to the start that Leon have had to the Clausura. They are top of the table after five matches, four wins, no draws, one loss for 12 points at the top of the table. They are one point clear of Pumas and two points clear of Juarez and Club America. It's important to note they have a goal differential of seven. That's tops in Liga MX goals against six. They have given up the second fewest goals against Club America with four and Tigres with four goals given up and they have scored 13. That is tops in Liga MX. A couple of teams have 12 and one with 11, but no one has scored more goals over the course of the first five matches. So that gives me a little bit of pause as we head towards León in just about six days. But you know what? Look, we wish Walker all the best with Nashville unless he plays us. It's going to take a little bit of time. It's going to take a little chemistry. And I'm saying it right here. This is Scarf Stradamus coming on. out on a limb here. Here's your results for our two legs against leon 3-2 and 3-2. Both of those LAFC wins. I am hoping that somehow we can get the first or second goals against Leon on the road. We can catch them napping. And if we can somehow steal three points from them on the road, I think it'll be nothing but a coronation for LAFC as we come back to the bank just about a week later. I can't wait to get our first international win, 3-2 in León on the 17th. Mark my words. You've heard it here first from Scarf Stradamus. I am hoping for a 3-2 LAFC victory on the road and then another 3-2 LAFC victory at home to move on to play the winner of Portmore United and Azul.
1: There's no doubt that if we advance... We're probably going to play Cruz Azul.
0: I want to go to Jamaica.
1: Who wouldn't want to go to Jamaica? And by Jamaica, we don't mean Queens. I opted into the fact that LAFC will get past Leon. Am I naively optimistic? No. No, because I believe in my club. There's no reason why we couldn't accomplish what we all think we can accomplish. Will it be tough? Yeah. Look, everything is hard. And if it was easy, everybody would be able to do it. But if we have confidence in our club, there's no doubt that we're going to come out, hopefully with a tie, hopefully with a one-goal deficit, and go out there at Bank of California Stadium and annihilate them. I don't know what the narrative is going to be. But I still opted into the fact that our club is going to move forward. And you should, too. This is your club. If you really don't believe that we're going to accomplish things, walk away. And that's that. Rants with Philly... Short segment, there it is. Scarf, carry on, my wayward son.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I think that about wraps up this episode. We'll have one more episode before the match at Leon. But
1: it won't be with me.
0: No, that one might be with you. It'll be a little preview of Leon. We'll I will see if not be can... in
1: Leon. You'll be on your own.
0: No, I, I, I know that. I'm saying we're going to do a preview episode.
1: Oh. <laughs> I'm just kind of bummed that I'm going to miss Leon. But oh, don't feel that's... bad for me. I'll be in Italy. With Panda watching AS Roma play Ghent in the I don't Europa know how League.
0: I'm this is going to make the cut.
1: All of it.
0: So, yeah, I think we might have one more episode before we do our Leon recap. As you know, Philly will be watching Roma play Ghent as he is in Rome with Panda for a couple of weeks or so. It's my wife's
1: birthday slash Christmas slash Valentine's That's present. That's right. Don't hate
0: me. So, we'll be doing one episode about the recap of Leon, and then we have a really cool interview that we actually conducted today with Neil Tyner. You all know him as CraftBrujitsu on Instagram, and he is the man behind at Black and Gold RC, the Black and Gold Running Club for LAFC. That will come out on the 22nd. A great interview there with Neil. And again, this is episode 82. Thank you all so much for listening to Defenders of the Bank, and you know how we like to end our episodes. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.